You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome back to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Mervyn Yu. And I'm Rira Yu. And it is our mid-month check-in episode. Um, so hopefully you all are having a great month of May. Happy Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Um, Rira, how's your 8 p.m. going? It's been exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh... Well, aside from reading like four to five books at a time, yeah, like that and a couple of other events. It's That's a, a lot of books. I know. What else are you reading? Um, I just finished Vanessa Hua's A River of Stars, which is coming out in August. We got an arc from, uh, was it Riverhead Books? I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but they sent us an arc and I finished it in a couple days and it was a really really good book so cool. hopefully we'll get vanessa on this podcast and we get yeah. to talk to her more about it let's get on that um you're also reading our may book club pick the levers the levers by lisa ko uh, which well you've read that already right? yeah yeah uh, another book that i'm reading right now is i'll be gone in the dark by michelle mcnamara i think that's how you pronounce her name but she's not asian uh but it is a book about the golden state killer who uh, they just arrested the suspect. Right, she recently. was the um, wife of uh, Patton Oswalt, right? Uh, yes. The late wife? And she, yeah, late wife. Yeah. And uh, she's the creator of True Crime Diary. So, oh. yeah, I was really sad that she wasn't able to finish the book on her own. Like, her research team had to finish it for her. Mm-hmm. It's a really scary book. Like, <laughs> I can't read it at night. I, I read it at night, like... A couple times and it's terrifying because it's about a serial rapist killer but that is uh, what i am reading right now marvin what are and you you're reading? you're a naturally anxious person to begin with i know i'm very <laughs> paranoid um but you're reading stuff marvin yeah well um i am halfway through the levers actually um Yay. i picked it up um it's actually pretty like i was expecting a more i guess dark and intense story but it's actually not that heavy it's um it's a lot more funny than i thought it would be yeah there's definitely a lot more dark humor than you yeah would a lot of dark humor and a lot of um but not a lot of like it, I, I expect it to be like a story of struggle and like going against the system but it's really just more about people dealing with stuff yeah which, uh, I'm sure we'll go into more detail in our end of month uh, book discussion episode, but I'm having a good time with. It. I'm I'm to the part right now where it switches perspective to the mother, uh, to Polly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it does a really interesting, uh, like it ha- it weaves together the perspectives really well. I think because yeah. you're like jumping back in time and yeah. Um, I especially like the the Chinese restaurant scene. Oh um, yeah, where yeah. the two um, adoptees meet for the first time. And it just reminded me of my time in uh, D.C. taking some people to actual Chinese food for the first time. <laughs> actual Chinese food. <laughs> and having, like, you were like, oh, this this isn't your normal orange chicken. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, explaining how like Chinese food is, is way more nuanced than 
than that than what they they're used to um but yeah i'm eager to finish out the rest of the book you're also reading the poppy war yeah i picked up the poppy war um we just announced that book like in our last episode yeah and um long time listeners will know that i enjoy the um the genre of um fantasy especially uh this new wave of um asian inspired fantasy and so the poppy war is inspired by you know Chinese mythology, warring states. Um, some of the mythological aspects of the book is taken directly from Chinese mythology. So it's been fun so far. I'm only about a couple chapters in. I just got uh, Rain Birds by Clarissa uh, Gonawan. And uh, I'm really happy about that because I am the first person to check it out of my library. Oh, yeah. Because I was the one who called it in and was like, do you have this book? Can you order it? Because I need it. Do they still do the card things where like you have you sign your name out in the, the card on the cover? No, they have a barcode, so everything's digitalized. Obviously, I haven't, I'm, I haven't stepped foot in the library in probably you almost... You should get a library card. <laughs> Support your local libraries. Um, that was our PSA about libraries. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't forget, um, again, our May book club pick is The Leavers by Lisa Ko. Um, if you've already finished the book and have thoughts about it or have things you want to us to bring up during a podcast, um, please sound off on our Goodreads forum. You can find the Books and Boba Goodreads group um, by searching Books and Boba on Goodreads. Um, but yeah, let's get into the episode, starting with new releases. And our first new release of the second half of... Actually, this book came out in the first half of May, but I forgot it. So now we're including it in this episode. And it's Shadow Child by Rana Reiko Rizzuto. It released on May 8th, and it was published by Grand Central Publishing. Shadow Child opens in 1970s New York when Hannah Swanson returns to her apartment to find her estranged twin sister Kay unconscious in the shower after apparently being strangled. In an attempt to help revive her sister from her coma, Hannah recounts stories about their fraught childhood in 1950s and 1960s Hawaii. From there, the novel interweaves stories from the perspective of their Japanese-American mother, who endures the horrors of Japanese internment camps and the bombing of Hiroshima. And that is Shadow Child by mm. Rana Reiko Rizzuto. Next up, we have The Storm by Arif Anwar, uh, released on May 15th, published by HarperCollins. Inspired by the 1970 Bola cyclone, in which half a million people perished overnight, the storm interweaves five love stories that together chronicle 60 years of Bangladeshi history. We begin with Shariar, a recent PhD graduate, as he desperately finds a way to stay in the U.S. with his nine-year-old daughter, Anna. That story intersects with those of a Japanese pilot, a British doctor stationed in Burma during World War II, and a privileged couple in Calcutta who leaves everything behind to move to East Pakistan following the partition of India. You know, there's a lot of books that like interweaves like multiple uh, perspectives of different characters in different locations. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like that uh, style of writing for some reason. It's like the book version of um, Love Actually. Love Actually, it was a terrible movie. Oh. Let's not use that as a... Some people love it. Well, those people... I don't, pe- those some people... people love it. Some people really love it. <laughs> well, those people have a very uh, contrasting taste from my movie taste. Uh, next up is The Ensemble by Asia Gable. It released on May 18th, and it's published by Riverhead Books. Brit is the second violinist, a beautiful and quiet orphan. On the viola is Henry, a prodigy who's always had it easy. The cellist is Daniel, the oldest and an angry skeptic who sleeps around. 
and on first violin is Jana, their flinty, resilient leader. Together, they are the Vanessa Quartet. The novel follows these four young friends navigating the cutthroat world of classical music and their complex relationships with each other, as ambition, passion, and love intertwine over the course of their lives. Oh my god, I love books about musicians! I feel like I would really love this book, considering that like half of my family is in classical music. Really, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, next up, we have Shanghai Story by Alexa Kang, uh, released on May 18th. Uh, set in Shanghai during World War II, the novel follows one man and one woman who strive to hold on to their dreams as the communists rise and the shadow of Japan closes in. Clark Yuan joins the KMT, hoping to play his part to make China a better place but later questions how much he must sacrifice to reach the greater good. Meanwhile, Eden Levine, a Jewish refugee who is hoping to build a new life in Shanghai, finds herself at a crossroads after a heinous crime shocks the international community. Cool. Cool. This, is, this takes place in one of my favorite time periods, which is um, pre-World War II Shanghai, because it's a very... It's a very... It's, have like, you ever seen Kung Fu Hustle? Yes. It's that aesthetic. Yeah, it's that aesthetic. Um, it's a it, time it, of like organized crime and... Um, corrupt officials it's it's like um post-war yeah la like just like what did they call shanghai back then like the the, the paris per- of the east the pearl of the orient oh the per- okay yeah. the pearl of the orient well i i thought it was like paris of the east but i i, I guess like same definition in, it's in like a way? It, was, it was a time when east and west like collided but in like the best ways aesthetically like that's when you have like chinese like jazz and yeah like um that's actually where uh the chi pao became prominent in um chinese fashion yeah. maybe check it out uh next up is cult x by fuminori nakamura it's translated by kolo almany and it releases on may 22nd and it's published by soho crime When Toru Narazaki's girlfriend Ryoko disappears, he tries to track her down, despite the warnings of a private detective he's hired to find her. The one concrete clue to Ryoko's whereabouts seems to be a cult led by a charismatic guru with a revisionist Buddhist scheme of life, death, and society. Narazaki plunges into the secretive world of the cult, ready to expose himself to any of the guru's brainwashing tactics, if it means he can learn the truth about Ryoko. But the cult isn't what he expected, and he has no idea of the bubbling violence beneath its surface. This Ooh. book was recommended to us uh, by a couple of Goodreads members in our forums, oh, yeah? like a couple of months ago. And we're like, they were like, oh, wait for this book to come out, like when it's <laughs> translated into English. So now it's finally out. Might check it out. It, it reminds me of um, True Detective, in a way. Yeah, where it's kind of yeah. It's like a cult. Um, but... You know, in Japan, which is cool. Cults are scary. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched way too many crime documentaries <laughs> about them, so uh, scary. I feel like you do this to yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, next up is um, a book about unrealistic names, apparently, um, from Twinkle with Love by Sanya Menon. That was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. <laughs> um, releases on May 22nd, published by Simon Pulse. Aspiring filmmaker and wallflower, Twinkle Mehra, has stories she wants to tell and universes she wants to explore. If only the world would listen. So when fellow film geek Sahil Roy approaches her to direct a movie for the upcoming summer festival, Twinkle was all over it, especially since it gives her the opportunity to be closer to Neil, 
Sahil's twin brother and her longtime crush. When Mystery Man N begins emailing her, Twinkle is sure it's Neil, finally ready to begin their happily ever after. The only slightly inconvenient problem is that in the course of movie making, she's fallen madly in love with the irresistibly adorable Sahil. So this is from the author of When Dimple Met Rishi. This is, is this the sequel or is this like a spiritual sequel? Uh, what, what does spiritual sequel mean? Like, is it like I would say a it's, direct, like, is this, because um, I didn't read um, when, when Dimple Met Rishi. So are these characters from that book? or is No, this like uh, I would say it's more like, I think it's in the same. Uh, it's I, in the same. Like, I think Twinkle is uh, Dimple's cousin. I'm not, I'm okay. not sure. Don't quote me on this. So it's like in the cinematic universe. A cinematic universe. <laughs> the literary it universe. Is, it is a companion novel to <laughs> When Dimple Met Rishi. I'm actually reading that right now and I'm like halfway through it. It's really fun. It sounds cool. And I, I, I've always liked uh, the covers. Just much, much like Maureen Gu does good covers. Um, yeah. Um, Sanya Mina has her books have really great covers as well. I always wondered how many iced coffees they had to go through to like get that perfect shot of uh, like you, you've probably only seen the front cover, but when you open up the book jacket, you see uh, Dimple throwing iced coffee at uh, Rishi, and I'm like, <laughs> how many iced coffees did they go through to get that one perfect shot? I would like to know yeah. if anybody knows the answers out there. Um, but yeah, um, congrats um, to Sanya Mina for her. This is her second book? Yes, this is her second book. Yeah. Uh, next up is Like a Mother by Angela Garbez. Releases on May 29th, and it's published by Harper Wave. In Like a Mother, Angela offers a rigorously researched and compelling look at the physiology, biology, chemistry, and psychology of pregnancy and motherhood, informed by research, reportage, and her own experience. With a journalist's curiosity and discipline, a mother's urgency, and a food writer's insatiability, she explores the science behind the pressing questions women have about a number of subjects, including postpartum hormones, breast milk, and miscarriage. Cool. Sounds like a book that uh, every pregnant lady might enjoy. (laughs) Put that on the top of your list. It sounds funny. Uh yeah, I was when you started explaining, I thought it would be like a Tiger Mom book again, but it's. No. it's I think it's more along yeah. the lines of uh, one day we'll all be dead and none of this will matter. <laughs> um, next up we have Front Desk by Kelly Yang, releases on May 29th and published by Scholastic. Uh, front Desk tells the story of ten-year-old Mia Tang. Every day, Mia manages the front desk of the Cali Vista Motel while her parents clean the rooms. She's proud of her job. She loves the guests and treats them like family. When one of the guests gets into trouble with the police, it shakes Mia to the core. Her parents, meanwhile, hide immigrants in the empty rooms at night. If the mean motel owner, Mr. Yao, finds out, they'll be doomed. Sounds like a cute middle grade novel with a very serious topic. (laughs) Um, But it's cool that um, Scholastic mainly does like like children's and middle grade literature, right? And it's cool that they're, they're touching on these more heavy um subjects and it's good to um at least get kids thinking about those types is, of is babysitters club scholastic it is right i've seen it on i, I think well yeah because you used to be able to order them on the yeah the book clubs scholastic's been like on a roll for a number of years when it mm. comes to uh uh, like stories, important stories about young people. Yeah. And speaking of Scholastic, our final book on this list is also a Scholastic book. Nice. And it's Crossfire by Fonda Lee, and it's the sequel to XO. It releases on May 29th, and the summary goes, 
Earth's century of peace as a colony of the alien race Zri, Zri? <laughs> has been shattered as the alien-run government navigates peace talks with the human terrorist group Sapiens. Donovan tries to put his life back together and return to his duty as a member of the security forces. But when, but when the Zri's... Okay, I'm totally mispronouncing it, but Zeri's <laughs> home planet orders its people to withdraw for strategic reasons. Earth becomes vulnerable to a takeover from other alien races. As a galactic invasion threatens, Donovan realizes that Sapiens holds the key that could stop the pending war. And in order to save humankind, all species on Earth will have to work together. I remember we talked to uh, Fonda about Exo briefly. Yeah. Um, she did have, um, she's been on a roll on Twitter lately and she had this really great thread about the distinctions between YA and adult. Um, if yeah. you guys have time, she'd go check it out. Um, and Cause, I guess. Cause like one of the things that she mentioned, uh, in that thread, I think it was that thread was that books that have teen protagonists that doesn't automatically make the book YA. Yeah. It's, it's more about the intended audience yes. of your writing. Because there's some things that have teen or young protagonists, but the the matter of the content is not something you might want like 14 year olds to to read. Yeah, I mean there are plenty of dystopian YA novels out there, but you really don't want like a 13 year old girl to read like really <laughs> grisly descriptions of like uh, of war crimes and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah it's a very dip- important thread and. I yeah. recommend people check it out. But congrats to uh, Fonda Lee for the release of her book. Um, now we're just waiting for Jade War. I need that Jade War. <laughs> um, and that'll do it for the menu releases. Again, if we miss anything or if anything new comes up, um, we'll try to pick it up in the next episode. Or if not, um, please help. Uh, please sound off in our Goodreads forums to let us know what else is coming out. <laughs> But next up, um, let's go over some book news. There's been quite a bit of um, action in the book publishing world, um, especially relating to Asian and Asian American authors. Because it's our month. It's our month. It's our month. Is, is, is that how it works? They they give us more deals during our month, too? I, I, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, congratulations to Aisha Saeed for making it to the New York Times children's bestsellers list with her new book Amal Unbound which we covered in our last episode that was a new release yeah yes so congrats congrats uh, next up Orchard from Scholastic bought world rights to Muan Khan's book Wish which will be illustrated by Victor Nye and it's inspired by actual events in the author's life. The book is about one family's search for a new home on the other side of the world. And publication is slated for 2020. Hey, more American stories. God, it's, isn't that weird? 2020? <laughs> like, the thing about the book world is that, like, you have to plan things in, like, three years in advance. Yeah. Um, 14 picked up Kristen Simmons' YA trilogy, The Valhalla Academy. The series is about an elite boarding school where students earn their keep running cons for their powerful headmaster, a girl from the wrong side of the tracks who gains admittance to their too-good-to-be-true world, and the real cost of success. Publication of the first book, The Price of Admission, is set for fall 2018. Valhalla. Wow. I'm guessing that like this book is rooted in Norse mythology, oh. considering it's Valhalla Ac- Academy, but um, con- <laughs> maybe. Yeah, congratulations to Kristen Simon. And next up, Aladdin Books bought world rights to Kat Zhang's debut picture book, 
Amy Wu and the Perfect Bao. The book follows a Chinese American girl's quest to make the perfect bao dumpling. The book will be illustrated by Charlene Chua and published in fall 2019. Aw, this sounds adorable. <laughs> All balls are perfect because I eat them and they're in that. That's company. true. As, lo- as long as they taste good, it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I bet that's the moral of the story. They all end up in the same place in my tummy. <laughs> William Morrow and Harper Canada bought world English rights to Janie Chang's historical novel, Wandering Star, tentative title. Inspired by the experiences of the author's father, the book follows the exiled students and staff of a university forced to evacuate their campus in 1937 when Japan invades China. Publication is stated for May 2019. Sounds heavy. Yeah, I mean, this is a really interesting time that's you know especially in the west isn't as it's not really covered as mainstream much. covered yeah. yeah especially in history books because it doesn't have, doesn't have to do with america per se but it's uh like it's, it's old, it was a big time of turmoil in asia like they're the, the entire like first half of the 1900s really mm, interesting yeah uh next up wednesday books acquired janella angelus's debut ya fantasy duology where dreams descend Pitched as the Phantom of the Opera meets Moulin Rouge, the story follows Hellfire House's star showgirl, who, haunted by her dark past, must enter a magician's competition in order to secure her freedom from the handsome, enigmatic keeper of the club, even as mysterious accidents seem to plague her every move. The first book is slated for publication in 2020. Phantom of the Opera... Phantom of the Moulin Rouge Club. <laughs> Phantom of the Nightclub. <laughs> um, the actual series title is Where Dreams Descend. Just yeah. FYI. We're just coming up with a log line. Um, Salam Reads has bought world rights to two new novels by Saints and Misfits author S.K. Ali. Marvels and Oddities follows two Muslim teams during a trip to Doha who learn to speak truth to power and open themselves up to the complexities of first love. Publication is set for summer of 2019. And our last book deal news is Katie Zhao's debut middle grade novel, The Dragon Warrior, was bought by Bloomsbury. In the book, a 12-year-old girl wanting to find her place in a secret society of warriors embarks on a journey to fight her way through gods and demons in various Chinatowns in order to find a secret island where her missing father might be. Publication is planned for fall 20, 2019 and 2020. Uh-huh. So I'm guessing it's a series. This reminds me <laughs> this reminds me of Grace Lynn's uh, middle grade novels. I forgot the titles. Or it also reminds me of Jackie Chan Adventures. Oh my god, that show is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show growing up. Yeah. So if it's anything like that, yeah, I would uh, I would like it. <laughs> Um, some other literary news, uh, notable news, I guess. Uh, the 2018 Nobel Prize in Literature has been canceled, largely due to the accusations that were made against Jean-Claude Arnaud, a major Swedish cultural figure who was married to a member of the Swedish Academy, author Katarina Frostensen. So I heard that uh, Arnaud, he was accused, like the... The allegations were made by like 18 different women. So, oh wow, yeah, and... Um, I, I, don't, I forgot like how many chairs there are in the Nobel in the Swedish Academy that do the Nobel Prize, but I I do know that they have to fill twelve seats okay. after this incident because people resigned. Wow. And, so this is like a, a Me Too thing. Huh? Yeah, it's it's definitely a Me Too thing, and uh, 
yeah, the reason the reason why like it's going to take them a while to fill those seats is I heard that those seats are for life. Like oh, wow. once you become like a Nobel chair member, like you're supposed to do that for life. You can resign, but so I've I've been following the story. So did did they resign because of Arno, or did they all resign because of accusations brought onto them? Uh, they resigned because of Arno. Okay. Like they resigned because uh, there were stories about him having um, him behaving. Uh, well, I'm not sure about the details of sexual harassment, but he definitely had sexual misconduct in various uh, Nobel Prize locations. Okay. So it's just like, oh, like he did this like during their watch. So mm. a lot of uh, a lot of the chair members they um, resigned, and uh, the 2017 Nobel Prize in Literature went to Kazuo Ishiguro, yeah, uh, yeah. author of our December book. He got it right before, <laughs> right, yeah. right before they pushed it back for a year. So the 2019 Nobel Prize in Literature, they're going to announce two winners instead okay. of just one. So it's not like they're not awarding anyone uh, for that year. It's just they need to get their shit together before yeah. uh, announcing the award. Kind of just you know, clean house. Make sure everything passes the the sniff test, right? Yeah. Um, so something else that happened in the past month is, well, I mean, so since we've been running Books and Bulba, um, Rira's been really active on Twitter. And because of that, I get to see all the fun and not so fun things that happen oh, fun. in the um, literary world. Like, I didn't realize how prolific Asian American authors are on Twitter. I mean, they're like Fonda Lee, uh, Celeste Ng, um, Ellen O, like... Jenny Han. They're always not only commenting on literature, but on representation, on social justice, on a lot of subjects in a very like eloquent way because they're writers. Yeah. Um, and... Something that happened during this past month is um, I forgot. Like I, don't, I'm not 100 percent sure where it started, but like I guess a a black author. She's a sci-fi author, I think. Justina Ireland. Yeah. Um, was going off on a rant about I don't know, like white privilege or like something racist that happened, or like something like she was going off on a rant about something. And then mentioning that basically um, in one of her tweets um, in the thread mentioned that Asian women tend to be like, like pretty much making the argument that Asians are white adjacent and shouldn't be considered people of color. See, I have not read the tweet, so I can't confirm that. (laughs) Well, she's deleted the tweet. So the original tweet's not there anymore. Well, I know that Justina Ireland has championed a lot of um, of like really great, <clears throat> really great online discussion about diversity in literature and in media, and she's always been like very supportive of other uh, other authors from marginalized backgrounds, especially uh, Asian American writers. And from what I understand, like she, um, her tweets got misconstrued by a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, trigger, <laughs> trigger happy uh, Twitter trolls, and somehow her words got twisted into Asian Americans don't count as people of color, and that sparked a whole conversation on Twitter. Yeah, and that's the good and the bad of online discourse is 
sometimes these things they spark conversation, but a lot of times it comes from a place of anger and hot takes. Yeah, and <clears throat> it was definitely a someone, hot take. Someone always is on the receiving end, whether they deserve it or not. Um, and sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Yeah, I honestly think in this this uh, in this circumstance, uh, Justina Ireland did not deserve a lot of the ire from the internet because, um, I mean, her tweet got deleted. So I, and, and this happened like when I woke up from the, I was like, what happened on Twitter? <laughs> like everyone's talking about Asian Americans, not like being people of color. And I was like, okay, something must've happened. But, um, I mean, just judging from like past tweets and past conversations that she's had with the reader and author community, like I, I don't think she deserved the brunt of it, and I don't think she intended for people to take away from her tweet as, like, Asian Americans are not people of color. But it did bring up a good, um, like Marvin said, a good, like, conversation starter. Yeah, which, at the end of the day, you know, at least that's, it, it, it brings up at least something worth discussing gets got brought up. I, like I didn't follow. I like I, it took some digging to find. Yeah, that it took the, some digging. The instigating incident was from Justine Ireland, um, but that was after me reading like responses by a lot of authors, just talking about how it brings up the um, I guess narrative that has been something that Asian Americans fight against constantly, which is the mono minority narrative, right? That that. Um, because Asians are, you know, in the grand scheme of minorities in America, seen as better off, seen as middle class, um, sometimes people don't think our issues matter. And it totally erases the fact that Asian America, and this is something that the more you work in Asian American circles and organizations, the more you realize this Asian American is not a cultural term. No, definitely not. It's a it's it's a political term that was coined to bring together all these different people from different cultures and ethnicities, and like there's like what like forty plus different types of probably even more of of cultures that fall into the Asian American or API umbrella, and some that don't even you know like on paper. On paper, it might make sense because they're all from Asia, but if you look at it, it's like there's so many different factors that make all these groups different, not just culturally, but also um, economically, socially. And like also like a thing that came up a lot in in like the Twitter conversations that stemmed from this was uh, how anti-blackness has been a thing in Asian American communities, and that is something that needs to be rooted out. And also how often Asians, the Asian community is used to kind of be a wedge uh, and to uh, kind of have the white majority point and say, oh, these are the good minorities and kind of create disparity, disparity. (laughs) And and it's not discounting that like it doesn't happen. There are plenty of Asians who embrace these stereotypes um, and who totally subscribe to anti-darkness like. Like you talk to any Asian parent, not any. That's uh, that's hyperbole. But talk to like you know 
there's someone in your family has told you before, like stay out of the sun, you'll get dark, right? Yeah. And as um, as if being dark is a bad thing. Yeah. Right? And another thing is just like, like Marvin said, like there's so many ethnicities, there's so many, uh, so many different cultures under the Asian, like under that term, Asian American. Asian American and and we sometimes forget like like South Asians get a lot of shit and and they are considered to be a part of Asian America Asian Americana and uh Southeast Asians Southeast too. Asians too I mean like you know they they like they have a much darker skin tone than us and of course there's shadism and there's colorism and, I mean for a lot of Southeast Asians who came as refugees, like the the they're, they're, the reason they immigrated is totally different. Like you know, a lot of a lot of East Asian families came for jobs or education, depending on what year they immigrated. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, refugee families came because they have no more home, and you know, it's another reason why representation matters, right? Like uh, we've read stories like um, the what sympathizer be- yeah. and what lies between us and. Even stories like the Leavers, where it tells the stories of like the poor immigrants who come here for opportunity, and also the fact that even if you are like as assimilated as possible, you still are seen as an outsider to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it, w- it was very interesting uh, just catching up on, uh, on on this conversation, and it like definitely made me think about like I was like, okay, well, like. I'm East Asian American and I am not in poverty and like I am from a middle class family. There is so much stuff that there's so much privilege that I have personally, but at the same time I still get called like racist things and that doesn't make it any uh yeah. like any less bad, but yeah, it's yeah, which brings us to another like like Twitter storm that happened like it literally happened this this afternoon like while I was leaving it was happening on Twitter and I was just like okay uh, I haven't been on Twitter all day so okay well yeah so this one uh, writer illustrator said um, pretty much like the trope of princesses and chosen ones in YA fiction is problematic because it teaches uh, young readers that girls born without privilege should um, pretty much pretty much saying that like girls born without privilege aren't worth getting spotlit like mm. it's just like oh you are only the chosen one because you were born into privilege and that started a whole different conversation by authors who are from marginalized communities because it's like yeah it's a trope but we don't get that many black Asian queer princesses mm. or chosen ones we don't get those cliche stories like for lack of a better better word Mm. it's easy to call it a trope when you've seen that version of yourself a hundred two hundred times and in books like i would read a book with a black harry potter i would read a book with like yeah an asian princess who is like who's like the chosen one who has been lost and forgotten and must i mean i feel like chosen ones typically come from like impoverished situations right that's the trope is that they're like the diamond in the rough right they're like the the chosen ones never like you know 
the one raised to be the chosen one because that that's usually the rival slash bad guy right that's the draco malfoy of the yeah. story the chosen one is usually like people they usually have to prove themselves too yeah. right i mean like the the example that a lot of uh people who agreed with the whole like oh this is a tired trope like a lot of people used ray from star wars as like a as mm. an example it's like oh she's a nobody and i i like that and a lot of a lot of people who are from marginalized backgrounds are like yeah that's great and all but we still deserve like like characters who are royal and powerful and uh and, and pretty much look like us are you telling me ray's not the chosen one because she has she totally she is. totally is a chosen one trope she but has like, <laughs> insane powers for someone who is like i guess what the they way. meant was like oh she's not like from a rich class she's not royal and like yeah it's like, like whatever but but like growing I up mean, like buffy was a chosen one and she wasn't from like a rich lineage of warriors <laughs> or whatever i mean it just brings up the point that they're like even though there's been this growth of um like diverse authors and we're getting more protagonists of color and of marginalized backgrounds there's not that much and it's not to a point where we can say oh like that's a trope like don't yeah. want to see it anymore it's like i would like to see more asian princesses and asian uh uh, chosen ones in YA fiction because I never had that growing up. I had to rely, <laughs> I had to read a lot of books by white people, and <laughs> and those children books had white characters. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is my proxy, and yeah. like I just have to use my imagination. And like, it sucks that that had to that that's what I had to rely on when I was growing up. But yeah. kids nowadays, they are getting more choices and. You know, I think it's important, and I can see what the point they're trying to make. But yeah, that's yeah. Just, at the same time, like it's it's not that simple. I but. mean, okay, let's be honest. Like Mulan, like that was a racist movie. Like there was some, <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was some racist things about that movie. But that was the first time I saw like an Asian, uh, like an Asian character who was like. The protagonist who yeah. like was able to pull off like really uh like badass moves and was independent and smart like you don't see that at, uh, or you didn't see that back then and that was the only option i mean now i'm like yeah mulan was okay but I need to squint in order to like <laughs> to like kind of erase the, the racist just things around it. Rewatched it um, recently, and I remember that the song where they're talking about bring honor to your family. I'm like, oh, did they actually sing that? Was that actually the song? And like the most popular song in the entire movie is "Be a Man." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a really catchy song. But, Super catchy. But, but yeah, there are some problematic uh, things about that song. I like the um, I like listening to the Jackie Chan version from the Chinese oh my, soundtrack. It sounds so bad. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It sounds bad, like like singing wise. I don't think Jackie Chan's a great singer. He's a pop star. But, I don't know. I don't think he has a great singing voice. <laughs> but yeah, like there are some. Like kids nowadays, they deserve a more 
don't know. Yeah. More nuanced representation, and they deserve to have like, like more than one option. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Um, don't forget our May book club pick, as we mentioned multiple times this episode, is The Leavers by Lisa Ko. We'll be discussing that at the end of the month. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back into that book. Um, don't forget to um, join our Books and Boba Goodreads forums, uh, where you can discuss books with fellow members and also um, let us know what you think about Asian literature or any of the topics that we covered during this episode. Um, Thanks again, Rira, for compiling all the new releases and news. Thank you, book bloggers on Twitter, for aiding me in this search. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited by Marvin Yue. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from our Asian-American community. If you like Books and Boba, you might also want to check out The Collabcast, a weekly podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective, and the official podcast of the collaboration movement. You can find The Collabcast and all the other great shows of The Collective by going to the website www.podcastpotluck.com. 